0: this is the solid podcast i'm john Brunner, and i'm david craner solid is about the new hardware movement the radical new way that technology in the world around us is being conceived built and connected
1: it's about design electronics software networks materials and the horizons of technology like
0: synthetic biology The next SOLID conference will take place on April 20 through 22, 2016 in San Francisco. For more information on the SOLID conference, visit solidcon.com. For links and other information related to this
1: episode, visit radar.oreilly.com. Hey, John, what do we got this week?
0: This week we have Quentin Hardy, who's a technology columnist at the New York Times. You and I have both had a lot of really interesting conversations with Quentin at SOLID and elsewhere about the grand arc of technology. And how all of this stuff fits in.
1: Yeah, when he came by to chat with us, he had just gotten back from seeing the Aquila drone project at Facebook's Menlo Park office.
0: That effort was announced the day that we made this recording. So that's where we started. It's very fortuitous timing. I'm here today because,
2: you know, I am the short attention span guy. I'm Mr. News. But today I actually was down at Facebook where I saw something that is. Today's news, but part of a much bigger picture to me. Yeah. And they were showing off this drone they've got, and it's just on the specs alone, it's fantastic. The thing is, it's gonna be about 800 to 1,000 pounds. It's got a wingspan of 140 feet. It's four propellers that will fly autonomously, kind of a wing with four propellers that will fly autonomously for up to three months.
1: So So this is is a fixed wing aircraft. This is not a quadcopter.
2: No, this is no quadcopter 30 minutes up and down. This is part of a plan to bring connectivity to 10% of the world's population that economically could afford cheap connectivity, can't be reached by terrestrial means, but isn't so scattered that it's just not feasible yeah. right now. To do They're this distributing
0: kind of internet to one yeah. person in every eight square miles. Yeah, or sort of yeah.
2: think um, you know, farther reaches of Nigeria, okay. but not the Sahara. Yeah. You know? yeah. And so that actually is a pretty good sized population. And the way they hope to get to these people is by building these drones that um, will transmit via laser uplink and downlink internet data. And the Via drone- laser to a satellite? No, to the drone. Oh, wow! The drone is okay. So, imagine a V-winged aircraft, 140 feet across, with four propellers. It is the mechanism is to get a helium balloon and raise it to 60,000 feet, so it's above commercial aircraft, and then its solar panels warm it. The engine turns on. It starts to pull the balloon. The balloon releases it, and it flies very slowly between 60 and 90,000 feet for three months. Wow. Sending and receiving information down to a terrestrial station and out to other drones, as well as to the ground, where are these, there are these small stations.
0: And at the end of a few months, it's expendable, or, no, or it, it lands? it yeah.
2: lands. It doesn't have landing gear. It lands much like a um, a glider would. Uh-huh. But there's a lot of parts to this puzzle that have to get figured out, like, What's the relationship with the local telecommunications provider? Is the government up for this? Who's gonna maintain the um, ground antenna? Who's gonna, you know, what is the price? What is the uh, price point that's gonna attract people? They kind of don't care. And this is the other part that I find so interesting. Their feeling is worry about that as it goes focus on delivering connectivity in cheap and novel ways. And they're approaching it sort of like it's a big open source software project. Let's just hack the hell out of this. Launch a lot of prototypes and open source a lot of information, attract a lot of people to it. You know, so far they've had some success with this. Historically, Facebook open sourced its data centers Mm -hmm. and they caught up to Amazon and Google pretty quickly. They don't want to be in the data center business. Likewise, they don't want to be in the drone business. So right. I really think they're going to post a lot of information around laser, around telecom, a lot of data, around high altitude solar and battery. And you know, they've got battery chemists working inside Facebook yeah, now yeah. on this wow. problem.
0: So they're doing hardcore low-level hardware engineering and right. aerospace and engineering. And they're going to
2: chemists. share that openly in the hope that it kickstarts it. And you know, maybe Boeing gets involved or maybe some Y Combinator startup sees yeah. on this yeah. stuff, you know, they're open to anything right now. They just want to drive the connectivity, so is, and so is, they'll make money. They are yeah. they are not shy about pointing out they're here to help the planet because that's really good for Facebook, right?
0: Yeah. So is it a case of where where the business model is that Facebook is so large that its user growth rate is is basically the user growth rate of the internet, and well, so they internet, need to compel the the spread of the internet. They said today,
2: internet adoption is slowing, and uh-huh. it's not because desire is slowing; it's because They've pretty much hit up all the places that were reached by traditional telecoms yeah. and traditional thinking about the economics of telecom. So they want to go at it in this, in this new way. And, you know, they do have some interesting successes they can point to. 14 months after buying a drone company, they've got this thing up and running. Yeah. That's pretty good. Um, the, they brought out the cowl for the engine, and it's probably, you know, 30 centimeters across and about three meters long. It weighs as much as a laptop. Wow, so it's it's carbon fiber. fiber. It's carbon fiber. The the plane is carbon fiber, four millimeters thick over hardened foam. Mm -hmm, You mm -hmm. know, it's really nice design. But, I mean, that's all in the realm of stuff people can do. What was interesting was the laser is a free space laser, and typically they've been able to hit sort of two gigs Uh in free space. These guys are at 10 gigs. And the way they got at that was the people who do the free space laser came and talked to the people who do fiber optic inside networks and speak to terrestrial telecommunications providers. And so learned a lot about color and signaling that isn't inside their discipline. Hmm. So it's like this hackathon
1: yeah, yeah.
2: of light physicists, of li- of like, right? Of right, low right. level,
1: low level physicists. Yeah. Right,
2: right. So by just bringing together all this domain expertise, you know, people sort of riff on each other and find new metaphors and new ways of doing things and thinking about signaling in ways they hadn't before. And they're fairly confident they can get to a hundred, wow. megab- yeah, hundred so, gigs. You know, yeah, this is fantastic.
0: It, it's fascinating because, like you, you know, you look at um, Google also making. Sort of wait, like I, big did I
2: say two megabits or two gigabits? We're talking gigabit, not megabit. Sorry, the big one, the big, yeah. the, the big, big, one. big <laughs> yeah. the fast numbers you can service like a fifty-mile radius of population in Nigeria.
0: Wow. So, 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 fifty-mile radius being up, up to in the in the hundreds of thousands or millions of users?
2: Hundreds of thousands. I mean, the other thing they can do is start to indicate to the phone companies, you know, you ought to think about putting cell towers over here
0: because uh-huh, uh-huh. it turns out there's demand. There's a lot of so people it's over this, here.
2: It's got, yeah. And again, this kind of mashup idea around their technology, the people who did photo analysis to kind of figure out which one's probably a family or a person mm-hmm, started mm-hmm. looking at geo photos of towns and roads. And got a much better idea about population and economic activity than census data is typically delivering. Right, right. So they can point to that and say, let's think about flying one here.
0: Huh. And that, so the. So, the,
2: you know, it's this acceleration of information. This right, is kind right. of a the big theme and the openness around it and not patenting it, not protecting it. Sort of the way Tesla opened up its patents, I yeah, think, mm-hmm. last year. They're, yeah, yeah. they're hoping to do it in all these other domains.
0: When when that happens, do you see these companies cementing their leads in these areas? I mean, you have to be a, a giant company to benefit from this kind of um, rising tide lifts all boats mentality around the fundamental technology of things like the Internet. So um, Facebook obviously sees an advancement for Facebook yeah. uh, with increased connectivity. Tesla sees an, uh, an advancement for Tesla. As people develop this stuff, because any advancement in battery technology, for instance, is going to benefit Tesla um, and Tesla knows that given its leadership position, it'll be able to to uh, to get a return on those on those advancements.
2: Well, John, I mean, in some ways you're you're kind of making the argument for patents, aren't you? You know, they want to, yeah. they want to hold their leads the way people who patent yeah. stuff do. Yeah, you know? yeah, so yeah, exactly. They'll develop great things that will be open sourced and Facebook will be good at doing Facebook things. I yeah. think there is a dis- discipline inside Facebook where you know they want you addicted to Facebook so they can put your ads in front of you. Uh-huh, That's a uh-huh. very clear business. And if you want to do stuff with carbon fiber or batteries or solar, hey, Viacondios, they're just not going to be in that business.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it
2: kind of cuts both ways. It makes it harder to build a global social network based on an advertising model, given. Right. However, it does have these kind of potentially positive benefits that we used to look to the government to give us, really. You know, mm-hmm. the, I looked at this and I thought about. Um, The way Velcro was invented as just an offshoot of something that the space program did, Mm -hmm. you know, it throws off all this other technology. And, you know, for various reasons, government's lost its appetite for being doing big, audacious projects like that. Maybe this does some of
0: that. Interesting. So so is Facebook drawing from any kind of like native Facebook expertise in doing this the way that when you think of the Google driverless car, you think of Google's expertise in uh, image recognition in mapping and handling the quantities of data that are entailed in, in a driverless car, right. uh, drawing yeah. internally, uh, and, and also probably returning a lot of this uh, um, spin-off mm-hmm. et- technological advancement. Yeah. As, as in the space race, it goes right back into Google and maybe goes into its data centers. Mm-hmm. Is that, do you see that relationship within the, with the Facebook drone program? Yeah.
2: You know, in, in these tech companies, if you state the problem broadly enough, you can start to kind of eat up entire industries incidentally and Google talks about organizing all the world's information. Well, what does organized mean? What does information mean? Turns out it means pretty much everything
0: that moves, yeah. right? <laughs> you know? right? Right, right, right. Any, anything human is, is yeah. about information at yeah, exactly. some level. Right. Yeah, yeah. So,
2: you know, that was a really smart net to cast. And, you know, Zuckerberg wants to connect and you know have people connected and sharing. Uh-huh. Those are nice broad terms for sort of you know owning all of your behavior yeah. and all, all of the ways interest. by which you
1: communicate with everyone yeah. else that you, and, know. you know.
2: When you're a kid in Harvard, that's you and your server. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. you're talking about flying drones, you know, and working inside the kind of data centers they have. I mean, incidentally, you have to address all the problems in computer science. Now they're addressing avionics and mm-hmm. high-speed lasers and you know, battery chemistry and you know, all these other domains. Well, fantastic, right? Somebody's doing it. Yeah. And frankly, the car companies never did build a Tesla, did they? Nope. You know, And if so, Tesla's releasing that information so it can be more Tesla. Mm-hmm. I guess
1: that's the way it had to
2: be.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Is this Facebook's first major hardware project?
2: No, they did what was called the Open Compute Initiative, and that yeah. was a, an effort to open source. It started with racks, but then it moved into servers and switches and yeah. all sorts of. Well, I mean, heavy sorry, gear. sorry.
1: Like when I say when I say hardware, I mean like hardware outside of the realm of like types of things that hardware. you would expect a company like Facebook
0: to be concerned. It's a with.
2: pretty big step, mm-hmm. I think, in a new direction. Oculus,
0: yeah. I, I suppose. I yeah, mean,
2: that's an acquisition. Yeah, now they're employing talent against that as well.
0: And they, yeah, you can get huh.
2: really spooky about this stuff in and yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you, you hang out there for a while with these guys and they are just really smart. Yeah, yeah, And you start sort of you know combining elements of Facebook and you just think of like, yeah. okay, a guy wearing Oculus goggles is going to be in
1: touch with a drone communicating with <laughs> right, right, right. 10
2: gigabits of sound. Jesus! Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Beaming
0: advertisements directly <laughs> yeah, into right, our brains. You know,
2: in between fighting wars, yeah. <laughs> he's going to get ads for energy bars. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Exactly, exactly. <laughs>
0: exactly. No, I mean, you know, it, it, it's, it's a different way to, to interpose a company in human relationships you, you imagine oculus is a way to communicate with uh, with with your um, with your friends and colleagues and and family uh, in a realistic way to sort of like be in other places and and if if you're in the oculus world you're also in a world that that Facebook controls and it can have ads in it or have interactions product placements you know yeah a Pepsi machine and you're in the corner of your office that yeah. uh, um, keeps you thinking about it
2: is that sinister and controlling? Yeah, to some extent. Is it something people want? Well, you know, damn thing's free and people keep signing up for it. Yeah, Uh, yeah. You know, these get into sort of squishy issues pretty quickly, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Are they undermining governments? Are they strengthening governments? Uh, They are certainly creating transnational communications and computing systems, the likes of which the world has never seen. Right, right, right. You know, and we don't even know what that's going to do for governments.
0: Right. Right. I think the the omnidirectional aspect of that is is really interesting. With you know not just what uh, Facebook and, and Google are doing, but even you know Tor that lets uh, uh, journalists and, and dissenters uh, you know operate in um, Zimbabwe and China and Russia. Also, you know, makes it equally difficult for the authorities to crack down on on people in the U.S. and yeah. And how, how much privacy
1: does the does the channel that goes to the drone have? How much privacy does laser
2: signaling have? Well, However I mean much through you fa- well, I mean,
1: Yeah, but I mean like, well, can you know, if, if you're a user using the service, like is your information that you're transmitting being analyzed by Facebook or is it like Well,
2: I would be more I mean, concerned I would about the government so, but, and the telco than I yeah, would Facebook. Yeah. Facebook mm-hmm. I know about. Like yeah, that's yeah. a pretty given thing. You know, one of the things people forget about the future is it shows up consisting like ninety percent of the past. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so Facebook does this deal, but they still have to deal with the International Telecommunications Union about getting the rights to go through certain bandwidth to do this, certain spectrum, excuse me, to do this. You know, the nation state they're going to work with wants sovereignty. The telco wants a piece of the action. They have to live in the world same as Mm -hmm. the rest of us. So that would be more my concern. Is Mm -hmm. is
0: there a way to structure this service so that you don't have to get the consent of the state and operate (laughs) within the state system? I mean... There obviously you need base stations. You can't also what can't are they going to do about it if you're flying at ninety thousand feet? Well, this is the point. Like you could, in this case, if there are base stations, there's some measure of national yeah. control involved. Yeah, yeah. But like you know, Google's uh, uh, Loon is that does that transmit to base stations on the ground? Mm-hmm. Or? Okay, so all mm-hmm. of these things do. But you can imagine a you know a satellite provided um, system or something like that 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 would operate with impunity in in other countries and sort of provide that pipeline to. To, uh, to yeah, people. to
2: get sort of gee whiz about things, um, they say the laser can hit a dime at eleven miles. So it's wow. a small, it's a small antenna. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it gets weirder than that because the antenna is tracking a slow-moving drone that's flying in a circle. So it has to keep reorienting mm-hmm. while right, it's right, doing right. this 10 gig thing. And the drone is not necessarily flying level because it's trying to optimize the angle it's hitting the sun. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like some amazing science in here. So to circle back, could I deploy that antenna without the government ever knowing it? Sure. Is that something Facebook is going to do? I doubt it.
0: It would be it's an interesting opportunity. I, you know,
2: you know, Google. could if the price drops enough and it's open sourced, could Human Rights Watch operate one of these things over some Particularly unsavory country. Yeah, it's totally plausible.
0: Sure, it's it's interesting though to think you know Google had to negotiate with China in order to operate in China um, when it operated in China because the only way to do it was to go through uh, the firewall that uh, the the Great Wall and um, if if there's no level of transmission that a nation can touch then a google can start to do business inside china without ever running into to chinese restriction
2: i'm old enough to have been around as a young graduate before the berlin wall fell and it was really interesting going into these totalitarian states or for that matter many many states uh-huh. <laughs> on our side too but you'd go to the capital and there'd be like the secret police and the army building, there was the monumental architecture told you a story. Mm -hmm, There'd be these mm -hmm. big boulevards and there'd be like the army secret police building, there'd be the central bank, there'd be the Ministry of Post and Telecommunications. Uh And in effect, already we've seen these buildings almost like crumble away. Like Ministry of Post and Telecommunications, controlling mail, Not, not really that interesting. And in every case they were, all of those buildings are statements about your border. You know, Mm -hmm. we defend our border with the police. We control how far a stamp can go. If a letter has to cross, it costs Mm -hmm. more. And we have to have an agreement to send the letter. Um, We control money. Money is where the border begins and ends. These were all sort of statements about control to your political border. And in many cases, you know, Bitcoin. Sure. Money has sort of fallen away. Email, you know, the post has fallen away. And they can control internet connectivity. Mm but they continually lose economic power if they try and do that. So right, that's become right. difficult. And of course, war fighting and war management have are becoming difficult objects of yeah, sovereignty yeah. as well. We see these kind of startup armies around the world. So all of those things that the nation state used to use to reinforce the border are under pressure. Drones are just a subset of a larger issue in that sense.
0: The ease of operating in the, uh, the communications or information black market or the unregulated space has gotten uh, so much greater. You know, yes. in that in that era, right, it was the uh the, the Voice of America mm-hmm. era and you'd have these big antennas along the East German border just like pointed at uh at Eastern Europe, right? And yeah. kind of like blasting these signals in. Mm-hmm. And then um, you know, the GDR and and uh and Soviet Union are just like have other antennas that are just jamming them um to the degree that they can. Uh and blasting other signals elsewhere and it's kind of you had to be these these giant superpowers to be able to to operate in the the black market uh, of uh of information or communication put up a giant antenna and throw this stuff out there and now it's become much much easier
2: yes but i'm wary of concluding this means we're heading for a global world of individuality and highly uh leveraged personal freedom because it's just not clear you know we we're so thrilled with the Arab Spring a few years ago and how activists could get out. And mm-hmm. It was a Twitter revolution. And if you look at the state of those countries now, they're not terrific. They're in some ways worse off. And many of the activists were tracked and identified mm-hmm. by virtue of using online media. Mm-hmm. So it's, there's a mutuality as going on. It's a double-edged right? yeah. sword. Yeah. Well, there's, there's, we're, we're, it's not, what's clear is the existing systems of power will morph or collapse in decades to come because of these new technologies that are building out.
0: There's also enough of an incrementalism that uh, that these things don't quite snap. I mean the, the great firewall is operated porously enough that the vast majority of chinese people are pleased with their level of internet access, mm-hmm. right? And so and so they've never they've never like squeezed the balloon so hard that it's just gone that the air well, has popped out and gone what, elsewhere.
1: What's crazy is that they use they they, they they use the censorship to affect national opinion in ways that are non-obvious like i was listening to this podcast there's this pop-up chinese podcast i listen to That's a combination of kind of like topical news and discussion but also like language learning and stuff and they had this really fascinating episode about um interviewing this this anthropologist i can put some a link to this in the in the episode notes because i'm just speaking from what I remember about this thing I listened to a few weeks ago, but basically I remember how there was that whole thing about, uh, China selling those islands to Taiwan Mm -hmm. and like everyone got upset about it. So like this, these, these anthropologists did a study. Um, they wrote some scripts that would like scrape Twitter or sorry, like Weibo or like whatever for, um, keywords that are relating to this and figure out like you know just like instantaneously so they'd always be imaging the network and then they would be able to see which comments got censored out like later on so they image it and then they figure out which ones disappeared and they found that like so i guess what was the deal it was like china was going to sell these islands to taiwan um and some people got upset about it and were like speaking out against the government because like they love china and they want to be nationalistic about it um but it turns out that they were like censoring all that stuff for like a really long time and then there was some events that happened in the real world where like some people from China went out and put a little flag on it. And then some like people from Taiwan like put on a little flag on it. But then the Chinese government was censoring all the local criticism of the government and stuff. And then like a couple of days before the deal actually went down, they completely stopped censoring all of the governmental criticism. So then all of a sudden it just exploded. And it looks like there's suddenly this like national outpouring of nationalism where everyone's talking about how much they love China and how much they're very upset that they were getting rid of one of our things. And it makes everyone else think that everyone else is like super into the nationalism thing. And so it's actually like controlling the flow of information to like...
2: Opening and closing the yeah, Opening and closing yeah, 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 the sluice yeah.
1: to like mess with like right. public opinion like that. And like, yeah, I think that. And so, I mean, that speaks to the point of like, it's really important to look at the ways and who actually controls the information channels, right? Like, I mean, maybe you get these additional benefits of being able to do your Arab Spring revolution using your phone, but also you have to think about like, how is that gonna come back? How is the information and just the means by which it's transmitted Mm -hmm. gonna like feedback into the system and how does that actually affect everyone's quality of life?
2: I I call this um, living in the barbell world. Like right Hmm. now, people have never been more empowered And they've also never been so controlled and repressed you could argue Mm -hmm. they've never had such access to information they've never had such blurring confusion because there's so much they have to look at you have these tensions all the time um yeah individuals are powerful nations are powerful uh is it a worker economy that they control or is it stronger for corporations i just find so many extremes I can use to define this world. And the one piece of takeaway information to me is that's a sign something's unsustainable because really history and life are mostly about middles mm-hmm. and we're seeking some new kind of
1: balance. Mm. Maintaining or homeostasis. Something
2: like that. I mean, it's a statement about how the previous definitions of wealth, power, control, whatever, aren't really working anymore. Mm-hmm. We're sort of figuring out what the next thing is gonna be. And I'd love to hear some more about um, Shenzhen actually for that reason, because there you've got sort of seemingly massive control, but you also have sort of runaway entrepreneurship
1: yeah well it's it's interesting because so the very first time that I went to China we were with this trip with Bonnie Huang and hung out in Shenzhen for a while and then my girlfriend and I went up to Beijing for a couple weeks afterwards and the first of all the mood between the north and the south feels feels very different like you can feel it a lot more in Beijing just everything is like much more muted and the pollution is a lot worse and everything but in Shenzhen like Everyone is hustling all of the time. I mean, one of the most poignant things is, like, you ask people, like, so this, like, knockoff phone that you're trying to sell me or whatever, like, or this deal that you're trying to hustle, is this legal? And, like, the the, the, the phrase that everyone uses is, well, the mountains are high and the emperor is far away. Right. So, So it's basically, like, as long as you don't make too much of a stink, you're actually pretty free to do things, do you um, unless a, you mess it up really, really bad, and then you'll get executed or whatever. Do you but. think of
2: it as a place of creation and innovation, or do you think of it as a place that's kind of parasitic?
1: Because they're running with other people's designs. Well, I think it's, yeah, I mean, I think those are it's other people's designs. <laughs> I think it's kind of both. I mean, I think I was telling you a little bit at, at Solid about I have those 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 weird little Sean's iPhones that, that come out that the feature set is kind of weird and like the brand names are misspelled and the forms look strange and you're seeing this trend emerging that many factories in shenzhen are the ones who are actually doing the the design work for their western clients so like i went to a bag making factory once um their motto was the leading player in fulfilling people's carrying needs which i think is a fantastic <laughs> motto awake at night worrying <laughs> exactly, about, my carrying about needs. your carrying needs yeah. um but they made so so we're going we're told it was a jansport factory um, so, we went there to see how they were making their Jansport bags. But it turns out the same factory makes bags for Jansport and Adidas and Victorianox and a couple of other brands. And we were touring around and it turns out the Western brands, basically, they have their designers who are making this year's line. They send sketches to the factory and then the workers at the factory are actually the ones who design the flat patterns and make the bags based on the drawings. And then the company says, okay, put the logo here. And so, it's like many of our Western, many of our products that we have are actually physically made by the same people Mm -hmm. like just given constraints by whoever hired them and so you're starting to see factories coming out with their own brands of things that don't have maybe they don't have the adidas logo on them but they're becoming familiar with the kinds of specifications that western consumers want to have and so they're and so they're starting to like build those into it Where Um, do they sell those into oh i you can well first first you sell them into you buy them on the street in shenzhen now you can kind of get them on amazon you know a few things like sometimes you buy products on amazon which are Mm -hmm. like look pretty professional but there's like something a little bit weird and then it turns out that it came from China but like the the point about the phones that I was going to make was they 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 look strange they function as phones but sometimes there's there's features that just like don't really make sense to us over here like why does this phone have a massive battery in it with like a charging port on it or like a TV tuner or whatever and like why does it look like a phone from the 80s but with something else crossed with it and the reason why at least I don't know one 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 connection that I made recently was that to that paper from Google that came out a couple months ago about the running the neural networks backwards. So like you just give it like a picture of of white noise and then you say like find an arm and then you've trained the neural network on some kind of set of like imagery and then it goes back and like what it comes out with is this weird dream looking thing oh, like yes. sometimes it's like arms and like has like a barbell attached, and you're like oh so this is what the computer think an arm looks like based upon being trained on this set of training data. And it's funny because the like, design trends that I see happening, especially in those, those little Shanzai phones are very similar to that. It's like almost like there's this big neural network that's being trained on like having all of our products and specifications going through it, but with maybe without knowing the motivation, but is now starting to be like, oh, like a phone looks like this and like has this feature here and like, it's kind of like growing much more organically. And I mean, every time I go over there, I see the, the qualities of the, the, the off ground stuff improving and the English is getting better in the in the in the instruction manual inserts, right. and I think it's just like a process because I mean those guys are the guys who are actually making all of our stuff, and so they're going to figure out how to make stuff that we want eventually um, because we're specifying it all all the time. Well, that speaks to a and they kind control of the means of production as well. That's a big you Marxist. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, <laughs> I just had to say it.
2: <laughs> uh, you're speaking in a, in a way about a kind of. Um, uh, collective innovation, yeah, by throwing up mm-hmm. just a lot of different stuff and seeing so yeah. what works and responding well to that. Yeah, um, now to switch metaphors, instead of retraining a neural network, it's sort of like evolution. Yeah, I mean, people talk mm-hmm. about evolution being really elegant and nature being elegant. But that's disgusting. One way to look at it. yeah. It's also kind of vulgar and awful because it's creating freaks all the time that don't work. When you look at like it, there the, are equivalents to ugly phones in nature all the time. Yeah, there's right. a one-legged right. That right. Dies pigeon. Out, yeah, you know, and then yeah, yeah. eventually something occupies the niche even better, and that gets to breed and win. Right, And right. that becomes a new feature set. Yeah, you
0: know? and the remarkable thing about about nature and evolution is that it's it's inefficient in in many places. I mean, it creates a lot of uh, a lot of plants and animals that are sort of badly suited mediocre yeah. Yeah. in their in but their degree of adaptation but they're good enough yeah. right and, and also then, so they, nature you know. doesn't have to report quarterly earnings it's right, got all right. the yeah. time in the world yeah, exactly. that you less, just want to get less go, disciplined like, <laughs> yeah. you know,
2: and, and if people want to create at scale yeah. You can yeah probably and and the cost is so low because mm-hmm. there really is no ip and the information is transferred over the web and all these other factors that yeah. push down prices. Yeah. You can just experiment at a much greater level and yeah. create stuff. Yeah, yeah it's like the Williams.
1: guys, you know, these guys who are making all the knockoff stuff, I've read a bunch of articles about it. It's oftentimes teams of between 5 and 20 people who go from thinking of a product to shipping that product in like three months. Mm-hmm. And they just think of some crazy weird thing. And you're like, why, why, why does this device that you're giving me, why does this have like a cigarette lighter in it and also like a mobile phone and whatever right. else? And the reason why is because... It's like A-B testing in hardware. It's like someone comes with a crazy idea. The cost of entry is so low to just like call up their friend who did the design for the circuit board for the last phone they made and call up their cousin's injection molding factory going at two o'clock in the morning, make 2,000 units. If they sell, they make more. If not, then they're like, oh, that was cool and weird. Like, what are we making next? And it's like completely... The reason why it looks like there's no design work done up front is because the paradigm is completely different from like what we've been
0: programmed to understand from like Steve Jobs. Yeah. Mm. It's in terms of, you know, looking at what this stuff represents for people who can go out and create hardware and build any product. It's like these phones are the GeoCities phones. They are this early signal that anyone can build anything. I mean, those GeoCities pages in the late 90s were were awful. They were just, they were. Fire.jpg yeah exactly yeah. you know um uh, animated gifs under of, like, construction. Under construction signs <laughs> right. and, um blinking backgrounds uh you know angel fire tripod all of that stuff um it was the early signal that we had something that anyone could participate in and first there was a lot of noise and a lot of people just figuring out what this thing was and then because it's still hard like i mean in yeah. order to make it good you have to be like a professional but it's it's accessible well You don't even need to be a professional on the web now. And that that's changed, right? So in the, in the mid nineties, I mean, since the beginning of, of the public internet, you can be a high school student and make a web page, but, um, the, the degree of, of knowledge that you need has, has gone down dramatically in the last 25 years Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, you, you, the stack of technologies that a single person can comprehend and use effectively has gotten much wider, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and the full stack web developer has been around for, for a long time now, but that was an incredible development around the end of the nineties that you could have a single person who is a master of databases, server side programming, client side programming, HTML, and still have enough brain capacity left over to think about sort of business strategy and what it is that you're trying to do. So we don't have a full stack hardware developer yet, or that they don't, they exist, but not professionally as such yeah yeah but you can start to see that uh, you know as just little bits of this process get easier and easier like modularization and
1: abstraction i think are keywords like i think that's one thing that really contributes to where we are in the realm of software development break those two things down so like you know now if you want to make a website you don't have to code html because you can do it in a go to squarespace and like you know throw something down or you can use ruby on rails or you can do whatever you know there's there's people who've spent lots and lots of time modularizing the different parts of the process and presenting interfaces so that you know if you're someone who wants to design an entire product you can kind of skim along the surface Mm -hmm. of all these different apis and cherry pick them and put them together down that
2: curve from sort of science to engineering to mass manufacturing yeah it's a mass manufactured product
1: yeah and like now if i want to make an you know a product that's like a mobile device or something that involves some kind of computation i mean if i want to be a full stack person it's only within the probably the past like you know 10 years that like it's reasonable for me to not have to know everything literally from like the type of assembly code that the microprocessor is going to use all the way up through like how to make the the top level UI stuff of what the actual software application is going to look like? Because all that stuff feeds into each other. Like what programming language you use fits into like what processor you use. But that also has implications for like how much your manufacturing cost is going to be and what your supply chain is going to be. And all these things are intimately connected. And if you mess anything up, then something else is going to come back and bite you. And so like we're starting to see modularization and abstraction, right? Like companies like 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 Proto Labs who have just Focused on doing one thing really, really, really well in the hardware space, which is like making software which analyzes your 3D model and makes it really easy to produce an inexpensive and really fast turn injection mold. Now, as someone who wants to make a product which involves an injection molded part, 10 years ago that would have been insane because you have to like have one or two mechanical engineers who like really know things about mold flow and like, you know, it's a really physical process. But now, I can do it because Protolabs exists and they've spent a long time like modularizing that part of the process that I can then just go in through their interface and use it and now I can get an enclosure for it.
2: Somebody is going to build management software for this sooner or later where you can drag and drop the stack and on the side mm-hmm. talk about what that does to your overall cost, what that does to your overall market, and then you can lay on top of that the feature set and it could figure out you know, where is that popular and how to address it because in some ways the issue will be discovery fan base cost of sales and just you know run the risk management on that eliminate all the unknowns focus that and then decide yeah but like even even
1: even like extricating all the moving parts from each other enough so that you can isolate those variables in order to do that calculation there's still some things need to be done like i think the One of the kind of the state of the art of where we are with that right now is there's this startup called Circuit Hub Mm -hmm. um, and they do turnkey sourcing and manufacturing for PCBs. And like their big trumpeted feature that like everyone's very excited about them for is that you can upload a design, PCB design, and it gives you two sliders, um, quantity and lead time. Mm -hmm. And it automatically generates a quote for you and tells you how much it's gonna cost for that quantity and that lead time. And you push the button and you get your boards for that quantity and that lead time. And that's huge. That's huge for like tons of people who design hardware. Like, but that's not close to like you know being able to mechanically tune sliders to even get something like a quote out for mm-hmm. like all the different moving pieces of what it takes to actually put a product together. Because you still have to like have domain knowledge in lots of yeah of different areas. This, it's a it's a it's but a, I think
0: you're totally right. It's going to happen. Like like that's where that's where it's going. It's a vein that a lot of startups are working on right now. There's one called Plethora that's here in San Francisco that does this for machined parts. Until recently, if you wanted to get 100 aluminum parts made, you know, by a machine shop, you'd have to call up a machine shop on the phone and Mm -hmm. talk to a dude and sort of describe what you're doing. And then they'd say, OK, fax over your specifications and we'll take a look. And a week later, they haven't gotten back to you. So you call them back and they're like, oh, OK, I I, I don't know, six dollars a piece.
1: or sometimes they just don't, this this happened to us once at the startup, and sometimes they just don't call you back for three weeks and you call them up and you're like, where is our part? And they're like, oh, well, our machinist has been in like a really bad mood and didn't really want to do it. So I haven't been bothering him about it. So I'll right. go bother him about it tomorrow and just try to get him to do it. It's like,
0: right. I mean, it's, it's yeah. incredible. And, and, you know, so so Plethora um, takes your CAD file and then just runs it through its own sort of manufacturing analysis, cost analysis, comes up with a quote and, and is able to, translate your design into machine commands, check them for conflicts, uh, things that would make the, things that would be impossible to manufacture on a, on a particular machine, and then execute it. And mm-hmm. it, it just automates that entire process. There's a similar, there are a couple of similar things for electronics. Um, uh, there's one in Brooklyn called Refactory that's doing some interesting work on this. But I like your idea that, that, yeah, eventually, I mean, you see how fast this stuff is developing. Let's say four years from now, it's quite common to order um, printed circuit boards or machined parts, with the fluidity of spinning up an Amazon Web Services mm-hmm. um, instance, you know, you just go on someone's website and and log in and and just upload the thing, uh, approve the what comes back instantaneously, and then it goes and then it yeah. comes to and your door. At
2: which point the um the issue may be getting yourself into the right pipeline of discovery and distribution.
0: Exactly. Being
2: yeah. seen is still a huge issue in this. Right. Um, it and reduces
0: I, the engineering problem back to the marketing problem.
2: Right. And well, we're seeing systems of control to manage those channels. It won't be uh-huh. a free-for-all for the consumers. Have you been over to PCH on yeah. Mississippi Street? Mm-hmm. I mean, those guys, well, they bought Fab mm-hmm. and, you know, it turns out there's still a whole lot of people on that fab shopping website. Mm -hmm. It was a billion dollar company and it became a pinata and a laughing stock. And I think they sold it for like a cheese sandwich and the assumption of debt, you know. (laughs) Uh But it turned out there actually are millions of people going there and (coughs) these guys are bankrolling startups, connecting with manufacturers in China and then putting them in fab as a sales channel. Mm -hmm. So what are they managing there? Kind of taste and assembly and consumer outreach, while you do the invention inside that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and the invention then gets, uh, you know, it's it's increasingly modular and and just a matter of kind of like assembling the features that your research indicates consumers want. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think it's this idea of like A/B testing in hardware, which you mentioned in the context of the of the phones in Shenzhen, and which you've hinted at in the kind of algorithmic dialing in of a lot of different parameters, you create a thousand different designs and then somehow narrow them down on the basis of, of cost and appeal. You know, Autodesk is doing a lot of interesting stuff with algorithmic design. This idea that mm-hmm. you you just, you define the thing you want to design in terms of constraints. You say a chair is a thing with a platform two and a half feet above the ground and a vertical support behind it. And it can support up to 350 pounds. Go. And then it designs wow. iteratively... But it's not comes, a
2: toilet. No, exactly,
0: exactly. But it doesn't have plumbing, you know, yeah. and it's like. Um, a toilet is a chair. A toilet yeah. is a chair, Throne. but a chair is not a toilet. It's a, yeah. in the Venn diagram of, of yeah. toilets and chairs. <laughs> um, the, wow, this
2: podcast has found my level at last. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> it's going down the toilet. Hey. So the, the uh, you know, the idea is you, you, you have the computer just create a billion different guesses at what a chair might look like and you test them against constraints, is and that then that you follow them. This is a
2: nature idea too. If it yeah, exists exactly. there's it's frictionless and there's no cost. Fantastic. Precisely. One thing I do want to bear in mind in this too, and you know, if you've been to Shenzhen, you've also been inland, right? And you've been to some of the, the, um, the airports inland or the markets inland. I love going to those places because you realize our experience of this world is actually the outrider. Mm-hmm. you know we're the weird sort of 10% that's floating here in, a, in immense wealth yeah mm-hmm. and that's there's ridiculous. just this kind of like silk road or souk however you want to put it of everybody
1: else who's scrambling around in technology manufacturing. Yeah, but it's crazy because like we see, you know, here we think of technology as like, I'm into technology. So I'm going to go to the Apple store and everything is nice and white and like everything, da, da, da. Like technology is like definitely a part of the lifeblood of like Southern China. But the way that they experience it over there is like so completely different. It's like you're saying, it's like a souk, right? Like the market stalls like in Middle East or something, except instead of like dudes with beautiful piles of like spices and fruits and vegetables and stuff. It's like people like hawking you in to come by their like precision linear rails wires. or connectors <laughs> yeah. or like uh-huh. or like capacitors or like right. whatever like that. But there's also, you know, stray dogs running around on the dirt street right. just right next there. And there's like, you know, like- So
2: let's take that to the model we were just discussing about nice consumer objects and online marketplaces. And yeah. Like all those guys, Zuckerberg is gonna connect up with his big drones are not gonna be on Fab. Right. We don't mm-hmm. know what they're gonna be on, but yeah. they're gonna be in some completely other method of distribution and yeah, commerce. Yeah. I'm pretty confident.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, the 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 kind of um, inland electronics market makes it to the US through a couple of channels. And and I was thinking of this as you mentioned JANSPort, the JANSPORT factory yeah. you visited, which I think is actually not quite as extreme an example of this as as some pretty common Instances, in particular, I'm amazed whenever I see uh, electronics branded Polaroid and Westinghouse. Yeah, right? you see these all over the place. Polaroid and Westinghouse uh, went bankrupt. Well, Westinghouse became CBS, but the uh, a bunch of stuff was spun out, and probably some private equity firm owns the the brand. intellectual property, just the brand and the logo to Westinghouse and Polaroid, which which went bankrupt a few years ago and they're simply like farming it out and and the stuff that you see on sale here in the US branded Westinghouse and Polaroid is precisely the kind of super generic commoditized electronics that you find in in Shenzhen in the with the logo on it and that that but that speaks to your point about the importance being the the distribution and marketing channel right mm-hmm. because it's there these electronics are completely undistinguished from anything else except by the fact that um Someone who sits in a six-person office and licenses the Polaroid brand has stamped it onto this. And this therefore, thing. Yeah.
2: this weird emotional nostalgic Connection. reverence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has yeah. you know it, it, it is um, embodied in this product. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Bell and Howell is another one. You see a lot of Bell yeah. and Howell equipment out there. That I don't think that company's existed. Since it definitely, the 70s. it definitely going there definitely changed
1: my whole perception on like the value of a brand. Kind of going from thinking about like, okay, I want to buy an Apple computer because what does Apple mean to me as a consumer? It means like, means like good design. My friends think that I'm cool, and like things work well and stuff. And I don't like using Windows, whatever. Now, when I think of brands like. Apple, I think of like, yeah, I'm still going to buy Apple because I've seen a couple of their facilities. I know how ridiculous they are with their quality control at the factories. You know, I know that they make tons of stuff and throw a lot of stuff away. You know, I know some of the people who work with them and like everything that goes into it. And I mean, like, you know, at that bag carrying factory, the differences in those brands are definitely different levels of cost and quality, you know, like Adidas, Victoria Knox, like um, whoever else. And really it's like, you pay for the specifications. They're like, we want to make a suitcase that can tolerate going down this many stairs, and so then they put those wheels on, and then they have like they they have this room full of like testers where they abuse like this like suitcase abuse room where they have like a conveyor. It's like a little mini escalator with like three steps where they like bounce the thing really? down. Really? <laughs> yeah. And so it's like you dial in the quality, and so I don't think so much about like the emotional connection to the brand so much as i do like what that actually means like you know like that your product doesn't work like this you know that you can trust the people who are making it you know it's a much more organic thing it's like it's, hmm. like, it's like about the actual quality of the thing itself i got remember you were there when we were when we were shopping around shenzhen and found a an outlet store for the burberry factory and and i was able to get um you know, this lady. I found this really nice scarf that felt really nice, and and was made of this amazing like thin cashmere that had a checker pattern on it, and felt like something that would probably cost me like six hundred dollars if I went and bought it in a department store. And I asked the lady like, how much is this? And she's like, oh, you know, it's like fifty, a hundred bucks because I own the factory that that contracts with Burberry, and this is the material that they use, and they're like amazing scarves. But like, we're not allowed to sell our extra products with the like their particular plaid on it, so we just put like a generic black and gray plaid on it and so it's a hundred dollars instead of six hundred dollars and i freaking bought it because the quality of the material is amazing i took it back I'm and gave it i gave guys, it he's to my girlfriend right now and yeah fantastic. yeah no, i'm wearing it right <laughs> now Yep, god i just no. want to stroke this dude yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's unbelievable exactly. it's 80 degrees here yeah on and this, he just can't take uh, it yeah. off yeah <laughs> but uh to
2: get back to the barbell world mm-hmm. idea are we talking about sort of you know, moving from 200 nations to 10,000 nations and a zillion individualized consumers. Or are we talking about the domination of a handful of brands, a Facebook that controls these drone systems? Which way is this going to break in your view?
0: It's a really good idea. Uh, that's a really good question.
2: Yeah, because uh. the idea, I have a clue. You know? yeah. <laughs> a little yeah. bit of both, maybe.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's a great question. It's... Um, uh, Mass what, what individuality. See? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, customization. I was talking with someone about customization yesterday, and and uh, the idea that mass customization would be a huge thing, which is a thing that people were talking about. It's a nice a oxymoron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, but it's it kind of hasn't taken off. I mean, um, massive individuality. Yeah, like I, I, yeah. I had I had a pair of New Balance uh, sneakers that I designed myself, um, maybe a couple pairs in a row actually, and they were definitely uglier than any. pair. Yeah, <laughs> kind yeah. of sneakers designed by new balance and so i've gone back to buying sneakers that professional shoe designers you know, back
2: in the 60s 70s all the college every college dorm had a poster mass-produced poster that said march to the
0: beat of a different drummer uh, right yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah right that right, guy right. was a piker against yeah. what's coming yeah <laughs> <laughs> totally 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 in in terms of like this uh, this as a matter of of whether um, the economy is gonna become more consolidated or less consolidated. An interesting thing that I noticed the last time I was in Shenzhen with you, David, was uh, you're starting to see the beginnings of, of the emergence of um, of Chinese companies that look like American companies. And, and they look out of place in China.
2: What does that mean, so, Chinese companies that look like American companies?
0: So when you walk around Shenzhen, the streets are full of knockoff electronic stores. Apple store, like you see the Apple logo all over the place. You see Apple, AirSats, Apple stores all over the place. And you walk in and you touch the iPhones and they're remarkably good, but they're definitely not real iPhones. Um, increasingly, you also see Huawei and Xiaomi stores yeah. and Lenovo stores. And you can't tell whether these are real stores or knockoff stores. The So China is sort of doing to Chinese companies what it already does to American companies. And there's about to be a showdown, I think, where Huawei and Xiaomi and, and Lenovo say, Whoa, wait a minute. The Chinese domestic market is becoming important to us. Our brands are important to us. Xiaomi is built on its brand and on There's an iconic founder, just the like US Apple. The
2: US used to pirate a whole lot more
0: mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. still
2: started producing its own products. And then suddenly brand and copyright and protection of these things became much it's more something. important.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it no. points to, you know, um when they have
2: a domestic industry to protect, right, the regulators right. start to care a whole lot more.
0: Right. But it points to China not being a pioneer of a new model that's about to take over the world. It points to China following the, the model of, of other countries that are that are developing in mm. terms of this consolidation of tastes and 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 companies. Mm-hmm. What do you think? How would you answer your own question? How would, How would I,
2: mean? I answer my own question about uh highly empowered individuals and yeah a million different brands i think people tend to strive for some kind of group there may be one world governance caused by this kind of computational awareness we're putting everywhere on the planet and i think we will fence in areas that were sort of wild if you read the new york times this week there's been just the most amazing story about what it's like on the high seas now mm-hmm. and just i've how been reading it, those yeah, you can yeah. you can murder people in in the middle of the ocean murder on the high seas they you can kill people there and yeah. there's no one to prosecute you like there's a cell phone that one of the stories is about this cell phone movie of people being shot and there's just no way to prosecute them
1: also oh, they like know who it was and they know that they did it but yeah, just like
2: but they you,
0: just can't do anything about it
2: who's got you jurisdictional authority yeah. who are they now how do you prove it like who's gonna yeah. go get them like nobody a, really cares it's right? a
0: portuguese captain on a ship registered in mauritius yeah. and you know it took place in international waters other off of stories Ethiopia. had yeah. to do
2: with the horrific depletion of large fish stocks like 90 mm-hmm. percent down on marlin in the world things mm. like this and as harsh a series of stories as it was, it's also a sign that we're becoming aware that that's an area we're gonna have to control,
0: you know? Mm -hmm. And -hmm.
2: and so there are gonna be these systems of control over extremely large swaths of the globe. And that implies a kind of one or, you know, a few strong players in governance Mm -hmm. um, for those things. But people also seek exceptionality historically, and the nation state did that through language. I think in the future you might do it through um, ecology, emotional awareness. Place won't matter as much, hmm. so you think the main method of will
1: seeking exceptionality is is via language in the it nation has state.
2: Historically, I mean, f- French speakers, the Francophone mm-hmm. world, you know, in the imperial world, which the 20th century is, right. in some ways, the unraveling of. Mm-hmm. Uh, they agglomerated big swaths of the planet around french speakers and english speakers Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know they started with their own nations and then those gained and you know we still speak of a kind of spanish-speaking world Mm -hmm. or the Mm -hmm. the anglophone world yeah you know and and those actually strangely enough those intelligence agencies have special relationships Hmm. canada australia uk america Mm -hmm. um, you know new zealand
1: because they can talk to each other
2: they could talk to anybody they wanted Mm. to, but they have historic practices Mm -hmm. that are still going on in terms of what phones they tap and what information they share.
0: There's an intuitive trust, I think, between these people. And,
2: Mm -hmm. you know, language is a a fantastic and powerful thing that's being, to some extent, subsumed now. So we'll find other methods of alliance, perhaps. So that's the kind of century, two centuries thing Well, especially
1: since we got, you know, people are actually working on the live... Live robotic translation, right? Services. Or image sharing, and like I think uh, that's going to happen that, within the next five or ten years. Like we're going to have the battlefish from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, I mean it's and it's people complain about it now,
2: but you're complaining about the fact that when I put my phone on the table and I speak in English. And the other person speaks in Italian. We hear each other in our language. It takes a few minutes. Yeah. 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 You spoiled. Fool. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Come on. yeah. Like, right. Right. Like, right. That's your problem. Okay. Right. It's like an incredible miracle. My God. Right. <laughs> yeah. Let
0: me reach for my pocket device that has yeah. the entire information of the yeah. world on yeah. it. Yeah. And, yeah. and
2: like it spins in his language and then in mine, but that does take a while and it's not always perfect. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. 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 This is trending. There's no question. Mm-hmm. And, um, that will break down some barriers and place doesn't matter anymore you can see this at elite levels now mm-hmm. i had a fascinating conversation last year with uh, it was an american and a romanian and a czech and i said if i throw down five passports singapore germany america canada it doesn't really matter. do you really care which one you pick up and hmm. none of them thought so and mm-hmm. i've put this to other wealthy techies since and they don't really care because mm-hmm. The business is on the internet they can see their friends at the ted talk they have apartments in several places mm-hmm. so you know at the most elite level there is this new kind it's of leadership. continuous it's just a it, continuous just doesn't care yeah you have yeah. no
0: problem getting a visa your it's money is safe in switzerland yeah. yeah
2: it's probably in english but that's not really what's uni- uniting you all you know
1: um
0: well that's so, why
2: i'm
1: really interested to see what happens you know when uh um you know, when the, when the great firewall comes down, which hopefully it will at some point, like, and people are actually able to talk to each other. Like, I think we're gonna see a lot of crazy stuff happen. No question. Like there's and gonna you be this, exponential network yeah, benefits. I mean, so
2: you you could, might point to this in terms of radical Islam. You might point to this in terms of human rights. Uh, you can see this in some ways in ecology where alliances are forming, where people don't care about their governments the same way.
0: Mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm. just
2: get out of my way. We're trying to do this thing here those could harden into new systems of power yeah that we don't understand yet.
0: And this goes back to the very beginning of our conversation talking about tools and and platforms that make it possible to provide connectivity and information outside of states mm-hmm. um, outside of the influence of states and uh, you know if the new if the new community is to be a community of taste and economic identification and and, and aspects of cultural identification that aren't necessarily tied to countries, then this just just completely breaks down the barriers yeah.
2: well yes but states are still the primary go-to for violence mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. you, you do get an isis but for the most part it's armies and those matter mm-hmm. like that's that's just a hard reality and legacy systems human legacy systems much like technology systems tend not to go away right away mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the nation state definitely took power from the catholic church but the pope's still a player
0: uh-huh, uh-huh. You know? mm-hmm. well and money too makes i mean countries have more money than anyone else you look at uh they don't uh,
2: react quickly they tend to their their weakness may be that they have to serve legacy populations of old mm-hmm. people and young and new generations of young people yeah. who don't have assets yeah companies can change faster
0: right right um yeah they don't i mean they might alienate their users but they're not obligated to to serve their users <laughs> yeah. in the same way yeah, it's fascinating to watch uh Russia today <laughs> expand in the in the US as kind of an interesting, you know, mouthpiece for uh for, for the Kremlin. You stake out this this bit of bandwidth in a different country where you want to have influence and you can just like pump your influence in. And mm-hmm. it uh and it happens outside of of uh of the regulation of the state that you're pumping it into in the case of the u.s that works because uh the federal government doesn't seek to regulate that kind of thing it would be much harder for the u.s to do that on a cable provider in russia but um you can sort of see it's it's like a uh, it's like code injection uh as yeah. a mode of hacking but it's kind of like cultural injection mm-hmm. well, so a meme is a thought virus that's right anyway i think that's a fantastic place to wrap up and, and do you have anything else to this has been fun this is fun. awesome yeah, yeah thank you it's good. It's all good. right so the future um, the look fu- yeah right
2: <laughs> <laughs> or the future wonderful
0: Bit yeah both exactly we'll see yeah, yeah. will we'll the future will be here soon well, enough one
2: thing's for sure nobody wants to stop being part of it
0: <laughs> exactly
2: uh, I, it has an off switch but i've never seen anybody use it
0: yeah it's a pretty good pretty good place to be yeah so if, if listeners want to find you, where do they go?
2: Well, I'm with the New York Times. We do have a website. I'm, I hear. I'm a regular contributor. So I, I like a print subscription mm. personally. You know, you're all laughing and choking on say, your I, I, meal I, as I, I heard, this, I heard there's a
1: print there's print edition as well. Print
2: edition. The print is a wonderful graphic medium. It's portable. You can dispose of it easily. It's got these nice broadsheets. It's better for discovery because they play stories in front What's the battery ones. life like? Fantastic.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If there, can I ask you one, one question? Yeah. The... Uh, at some point, the New York Times stopped writing "weblog" or "blog" in quotation marks. What do you think is the next term to become so common that it will enter the the New York Times lexicon without parenthetical explanation?
2: I think cloud computing's gone there. I, we're pretty much there on cloud computing. I have had to describe it, but. Mm-hmm. I started out at the Wall Street Journal, and I think they still have to explain what short selling is because there's some grandma <laughs> in Iowa we're going to confuse otherwise. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> we're pretty good at the... Uh, They're supporting very, a legacy population? We're very yeah. aware we have a legacy population we have to be nice to. But the descriptions tend to shrink over time, and eventually they yes, they go away.
0: And it's happening faster than faster. That's the future.
2: That's the future. I think smartphone is pretty virgin. Overdid- yeah. yeah. They're all smartphones, like you'd yeah. have to say Java-based phone, that would be the exception yeah, right, at right. this point, <laughs> you know. And right, since right, right. nobody we know you has one, why bother? Just say phone.
1: Right, right, right. So anyway, everyone should go home to their personal computer and log on yes. to the New York Times.
2: Yes, <laughs> and fill out the paper subscription form. Exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you so Tape much. Tape
2: a little money to the computer screen. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Put it into your, uh, Floppy disk drive, and yeah. it'll right. receive yeah. exactly. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. That's yeah, really pleasure. been a pleasure. Yeah, yeah, a thanks a lot. Thanks. For links and other information related to this episode, visit radar.oreilly.com. If you liked this conversation, you'd certainly enjoy the Solid Conference coming to San Francisco in April 2016. For more on the Solid Conference, visit solidcon.com. Until next time, I'm David Craney. And I'm John Bruner.